Welcome to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast, a ministry of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, where we sit down with small town leaders who are making big time impact. Hey, and welcome in to the podcast this week. I am Heath, the East Campus Pastor of Lindsay Lane, and I'm joined, as always, by Alan Ostrisky, our North Campus Pastor, and Andy John King, our lead pastor and the teaching pastor here at our Athens campus. We are here again to record a podcast, and I'm not going to ask y'all a weird, like, open-ended question like, how was your day? Because y'all always butcher it or make fun of me. So I'll just, for those listening right now, for the tens of people listening right now, Heath, Heath runs the board. He's got headphones on right now. There's a lot of responsibility that he has that Alan and I don't share with with the podcast. So Correct. he he's a lot more focused than we are. I bring me to the podcast. <laughs> Heath brings all of the technical yeah. stuff. And there's been a recently vacated position here that is yeah. also requiring more out of Heath. So yeah, I will say the, the it's most of that responsibility was uh post recording and so that stress has not yet hit. We'll see once we're finished recording today uh, how much stress I have. But honestly, Alan, you bringing you to the table, can we all just agree that's a lot? It's a lot. Like it's, uh, it's a lot. I mean, Alan, like Alan brings so much himself to the table. Uh, uh, it's all, a lot. All I have to do is a rapid fire questions. I'm just, I'm just three concerned about how, what state of mind you're going to be in if this is you not stressed, Heath. Uh, no, I'm good, man. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, you all look right, well, it. Great. My, my kids are in the room next door watching Home. On my computer. Great, great movie that is underrated, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. We, we love it at the Haney House. It's really good. Hey, before we uh, devolve into any worse of a podcast, let's go on and get to our guest, Alan. Tell us about our special guest today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're excited uh, in Elkmont to have a brand new, uh, brand new principal uh, for our middle school and high school, uh, Graham Adderhold is a friend of mine, got to know him uh, over the years. Uh, he was raised, I did not know this, he was raised on a small farm in Elkmont, so he's a local oh, product, yeah, for sure. Uh, went to Athens High School, graduated in 2002, uh, which does date him, uh, but he transferred, uh, went uh, to Athens State for a little bit. He transferred to UAH, uh, played some basketball there at the school, and uh, earned his degree he taught at Bob Jones and coached for a time there in basketball, uh, eight years that he was there teaching history uh, and uh, the boys' basketball coach. How, how many times did you make students write the section review uh, questions and answers just for the audience? For our team? Or no, just for, as a standard class, teacher as a, as a standard history coach I never did that. Never. Never okay. did that. No. That I wasn't was a good instructional strategy. I was always asked that. that I was a always great told. principal answer right there. <laughs> That's a great answer. I was always I was always please write the question and answer. And I knew why that was, but I, I was just curious. But anyway, he uh he is uh served for uh 7 years uh in Athens uh as the uh, assistant principal at the middle school, which is where I got to meet him through working with First Priority when I was a student pastor. Uh, and then the last three years, he has been the head man at Athens Middle School. Um, and so his, he and his wife, Faith, have been married for 15 years. Awesome. Uh, they have one daughter, Caroline, and she's five. And so, Graham, and we are really glad to have you with us today. Well, I'm excited to be here. Already having a lot of fun, and we're just getting started. Yeah, right. Yeah, we actually saw me and my wife celebrated fourteen years this fourteen years this year. You said fifteen though. Yeah, ah, fifteen. He's got you. Got you by one one year. Got me by one year. Graduated in O two, huh? Graduated in O two. Yeah, he's got me be by three years there. Gotcha. You were O three or more? Uh, O five. O five. Good good job on math. Restore the (laughs) rule. What did you say? What was the number? It was O two. I said he's got me be by three. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah. five. Yeah, math was my lowest subject. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, really, I just wasn't listening. Because <laughs> <Huh? laughs> uh, you were 06, right? I was 06, yeah. You were 06, and Andy John was 94, right? Oh, no, 2000. I just like to Jerk. Him, him old. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, we are so thankful and, and to, for you to be here. And, Graham, just, we've explained this to you, but just for those that are listening, you know, this is the, the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast and all of us have been a part of leadership stuff. We've been in trainings. We've been to school. We've been to conferences. And uh, one of the most frustrating things is for us to say from a stage, everybody's a leader. 
but then talk about leadership on a level that no one can understand it. And so one of the things we try to do here is just to address and to talk about some of the things that every leader is dealing with and then put it on a pl- put it on a platform and put it in a way that we can all understand it and can walk away from it. And so, and we also like to sit down with uh, local leaders who are making big time impact. And so that's why we invited you in today. And so we're going to talk um, just some leadership stuff. But first off, talk about your personal routine. What does it look like for you? How do you prepare uh, to lead every day? Well, um, I'm a routine kind of guy. I just my wife would tell you that that's probably too much of a routine um but you know just a day-to-day routine first for me is I get up extremely early way too early um and I I go to the gym and work out I try to go every morning and uh, after that I come back get ready for the for the day and I, I go to school and I always have a to-do list when I get to school now that to-do list looks good at the beginning of the day, but we all know that by the end of the day, you may not have gotten to, to too yeah. many of those items. But, um, you know, the morning time to me is the most important time of the day for, for myself. It's all about how you get the day started. Um, you know, the first thing I try to do as on my way to, just being very transparent, on my way to work out to the gym, every morning I try to pray out loud to God. I, I think that I want to talk to God before I talk to any other person. Um, and that's just important to me. And it's, I started this a couple of years ago talking out loud. Um, it just, it, it, not that it means more, but it felt more meaningful for me, uh, just really talking out loud to God on my way to work out. So um, really setting the tone for the day. The, the morning is just my time of the day where I really try to set the tone, get my mind right, get, get, get everything ready to go and attack the day. Um, and then when I get to school, I think it's important to each day make a point to talk to somebody, make a point not just to say, hey, good morning, and keep walking by. I'm really try to have the meaningful conversation, whether it's just 30-second conversation, but have a little meaningful uh, conversation to that. So, again, how you start the day and as you greet people to start the day, I think it's just important to, to get the day started off the right way. So – I know we talk about doing things in the morning, getting up early. Are you a natural morning person, or do you have to fight through that? So I initially had to fight through that, but now it's just that's just what I do. It's the uh, routine now. Yeah. So like last night, July Fourth fireworks at nine fifteen at night, and what I'm like, okay, I got to get to bed. I got to get up early. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, my yeah. wife's like, you can resolve everything around your morning. You got to get up early. But um, that's just who I am. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, the hardest part is getting your first foot out of the bed. You yeah, get out of the yeah. bed, you can get going. Are, are Are you talking like three a.m.? Like what are you talking yeah, about? That's stupid early, like. Three fifteen, my alarm is set. Goodness, wow. man! Yeah. I have That's early. I, I, we we all know men uh, around this table. Uh, Tim Anderson, your pastor, yeah. being one of them. Uh, you know, Dusty has talked about this. Joel, one of my mentors, and they always talk about these crazy hours they keep. And I've always thought, like, if getting four or five hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. is what is required to be in the center of God's will, <laughs> then I will always be just slightly yeah. skewed off center yeah. from God's will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's what I've always said. Like, I'm if the guys that want to have their Bible studies at, you know, 4 a.m. in the morning or whatever, I'm like, if y'all want to go to Waffle House at 1130 at night, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It, yeah. It's a discipline to me to, like, foot out of the bed, but I'm, I'm not getting out at 3 unless there's an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I'm learning on this podcast. You know, I'm learning. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. And that's I why think, we're still bottom, bottom shelf leadership. <laughs> yeah, bottom shelf leadership. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. And I, I love what you said about about those those meaningful conversations too. Because I think uh, we've talked about that together, and some on the podcast, some off of just uh, how so many leaders stay so busy that everybody's just cogs in the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of recognizing these are real people, that's right. with real problems. And real stuff, and so I guess uh, as a principal of a whole school, like how do you? And you've talked about it just a little bit there, but go into some more. How do, how do you intentionally engage with those people, and how do you not treat your teachers and your administrative staff and your everybody, faculty, um, as as means to an end to you, but view them as people as well? What's that look like? So that's I'm glad you brought that up. I, just being brought into Elkmont as a principal, I was fortunate enough to meet with all the staff members, every teacher, every person in the building before summer got here. That was a goal of mine, just to have those conversations. And that was the one thing I told everybody is, for me personally, it's all about how you treat people. Uh, that is the number one thing. Um, because no matter what job, 
but talking about school in the course of a school year, we're going to have some very challenging times we deal with. So if we don't develop that foundation of the relationship with each other first and have a good relationship with everybody, when you hit those tough times, it's going to be even harder to get through them. Um, so for me, it's all about how you treat people. So um, my door is always open, number one. My goal is not to be in my office all the time. Now, obviously, there's going to be days where you've got to do that, yeah. those type of things, but being very visible and just for the teachers and staff to know that you've got their back, you support them, you're going to try to put them in positions to be successful. And um, just we want everyone to look forward to coming to work. Now, we're all going to have those days where we're whatever we got going on may be tough, but you look forward to going to work because of the people you work with. And uh, I'm a firm believer in you're only as good as the people that are around you. And you've, you've got to work with really, really good people uh, to, for a leader to be successful. Yeah. And so. Man, I, for, for all of us at the table, like, how, do you, how, do we be, how do you best see the strengths in a person? I mean, I know they've got strengths finder. They've got all these survey, these tests you can take. But how do you guys, when you're sitting across from somebody, you've got somebody on your team um, and you're thinking about how do I engage with this person and how do I, as you said, set them up well to succeed, um, how, do, how do you guys best see the strengths of, and weaknesses of a person? How do you go about that? It takes time. That, that's the one thing. You know, yeah. when, you're, when you're new and coming in, you don't have the luxury of knowing all those things. But over <laughs> time, stressful situations will put people in uh, a light to see. You know, what's been said before, like you don't really know what's inside um, – inside a person's heart until they're bumped, right, until something really puts stress on their life. Uh, you get to see people in stressful situations. It shows either what they lean on or how they fall apart. And um, I don't know, I, I think if you're vigilant, too, like you said, you make it a point to talk to people. And um, if you have your eyes open to see what they are going through, when they're going through it, you'll see what they're really made of and uh, and how, how they interact with people. And, and when you're not watching, sometimes – you know, um, people in front of you or somebody that would sign off on their paycheck or their raise will will tend to act. Flattery's in the scripture for a reason, right? Yeah, that's right. And and so that's uh, that that's not the real person. And so I think just being vigilant over the the days when maybe there's there's not as much on the line or they're not in front of people, but yeah, yeah. Uh, getting to know them and know them in the times when it's um, not as highlighted. We definitely have all those metrics, you know, for. You know, in church world, you've got your spiritual gift surveys, right? Where, yeah, yeah. and and I will say that has been fun for me to do individually because they do change over time; um, they're not fixed. But um, I don't know, I don't know that I have ever relied on a spiritual gift survey to put a person in any kind of meaningful leadership position. Um, more often than not. Um, I find myself having to challenge seeing things in people that would make them even stronger than what they see themselves as yeah. and, and trying to encourage and, and, and prod them to be, you know, lead a small group or yeah. whatever, whatever, the, whatever the, the position is. Um, you know, more often than not, I as the leader am, am, am having to, Make sure they understand that, hey, we think you're proficient in, in this area. We, we have one family right now um, that we are looking to get involved in leadership. And uh, we had to have the very real conversation because they kept pushing back on that. We're just not ready. We just don't think we can, we're good at that. And, and I said, look, there's agreement amongst all four of our staff people who want you for four different positions. Now, don't take <laughs> yeah. say yes to all of those. Yeah, that's right. But four pastors – all see leadership potential in you and see you as a, a very meaningful piece of this puzzle moving, uh, moving forward. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff is, is important as well because sometimes we're the least likely to see it in ourselves. And, um, and so that, that's a huge part for me is, is being able to encourage that. But you don't know them until you're spending time with them. You know, back to, to Graham's point. Yeah. I can remember starting off in ministry, the first pastor I worked with, he always reminded me, hey, Heath, we're in the people business. That's what we do, man. We're in the people business. And doing this podcast, one of the most shocking things to me has been 
how everyone who sits in your chair, no matter what realm they've been in, whether it's manufacturing, whether, you know, like every realm, they all say the exact same thing. We're in the people, like a lawyer sat across here and said, hey, I'm in the people business, like a judge or is a judge, not a lawyer. You know, like it's, it's incredible when you begin to see that it's not about making a product. It's not about, you know, just having the best school. Like it's about the people are the only way you're going to succeed in that. And I think too, for me, it's, it's, your, my actions backing everything I've told them up, uh, like yeah. what they see me do every mm-hmm. single day, not just the words. And that's one thing I've told them is kind of what you said is just, it's going to take time. Like I, there's been a, a lot of just been, there's been a lot of turnover in Elkmont the past few years for different reasons. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I want to be able to come in and be there for a while and, and bring stability. So like right now it's just words to everybody. You know, yeah. Over time, I hope my actions can support everything I've laid out in front of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're you're. I was gonna say you're talking to a guy who just took over for a lead pastor. Like he he's been on the job for right a little over three years now. I've been on the job for a little over three years, taking over an organization that I didn't start. Mm-hmm. Alan's the only one around the table that actually started something. Mm-hmm. You know, we all all three of us inherited mm-hmm. something. And then, of course, and Alan's also inheriting leaders, you know. So, man, we totally get where you're coming from on that. Of, you know, when I first came to East, I, I was trying to lead, and everybody's like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> and they're just kind of looking at you like, "Let's see if he really yeah. stands up to that," you know. And because it, it is, it's just it's empty promises until they right. until you live it out. That's right. The, I think one of the difficult things with that with that approach, which in my opinion is the right approach, and all the guys that have and ladies that have sat in that seat are successful because of that. They they care about people. The, being a relational leader, I guess just from my view, sometimes it's difficult to draw the line uh, when your door is always open um, that you still have to be the, the lead and, and, and making sure that those parameters are set as far as absolutely, I, I want to laugh with you and, and I want to, uh, you know, know who your family is and um, – you know, and then when it comes time to make a decision and an unpopular one, mm-hmm. are you able to sort of separate those, those not separate those relationships, but keep them at the proper place so that it doesn't influence the decision that you have to make if you have to make them. That yeah. that that is a tough deal there for sure. Yeah. yeah, we, you know, we we there are, there is a popular teaching amongst pastors not to, not to let your people in. Like to to yeah, for right. there to be a fence around your your family to protect them, uh, in the in in the case of herd or or, or something like that, um, you know, and and it is that that's that's difficult, you know. That's it's easy to say. It's hard to it's hard to actually rationalize. It's hard to find the balance of that. And I think we we all recognize that there's a point of balance there. There are things that only I as as the leader can do. And there are things that we can delegate, uh, but but when I've when I've got to make the call, when I've got to when I've got to call the shot, you know, I, I am sometimes for me, I, I am a very relational leader. Sometimes that's the hardest position to be in to to really make that hard call. Uh, but I was reminded by someone who was not a relational leader, who said, "Alan, you are more equipped to make that call than any other leader." Because you have the relationship with them, like you have the pocket change with them to make those decisions, whereas I don't. And it might be easier for me to make it, but it's not going. the The, the propensity the for for damage is is much higher, you know. And the balance is right is exactly right. Like the difference between being everybody's buddy, and then also the other end of the spectrum, which is to isolate yourself completely. Yeah. And I don't think either one of those are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in when you sit in those seats. Yeah. Was it Ray Romano? Oh who, wow! Uh, who said he was going to move if he got if he got Michael Scott's job on the office that he was going to move away? Be, when it him because he, he was from he was from the, he was from Scranton, but he was going to have to move if he got the job. Was that right? I don't know, man. That's a deep track right there. That's it's uh, I can't remember which one. Anyway, sorry. Me and Andy John peg each other with office stuff. We're the only ones that watch it, I guess. <laughs> In the whole <laughs> podcast world. That's right. Room. Anyway, Alan never uh, pops in. Uh, but, man, when we talk about big decisions, uh, you know, no doubt you have to make – you've had to make those uh, difficult decisions. And so one of the things we try to talk to leaders about is, man, what what is that – and I know each decision is different and it involves p- different people, different stuff. 
But what are some of those processes and some of that thought that you put into making big decisions? How do you go about uh, making those unpopular and big decisions? So a couple of things with that that just come to mind. Um, I try to be slow to respond or make a decision the best I can, like you yeah. said, depending on the situation. Uh, I, I, I may overanalyze things sometimes, but I almost would rather do that than make a quick rational decision where I yeah. may make a mistake. Um, so, And I also think it's all about who you're surrounded with, your close inner circle of people that you trust, that have wisdom that you can go to for certain things to bounce ideas off of. I think it's huge uh, to have a team that you can talk through stuff with uh, rather than you only you making this, which there are, again, there are times you got to do that. Uh, but I think when you can talk through things, it's better. And for me personally, just a personal decision I just had to make was leaving Athens Middle School, going to Elkmont. That was a huge decision for me and my family. A very difficult decision. There's a lot of lot of good people at Athens and you know I I invested seven years there and developed great relationships with a lot of people Um, so when this opportunity started to present itself um, I first taught well I first prayed about it second I talked to my parents and then I called Tim Anderson and um, he gave you terrible advice. He gave me terrible advice (laughs) I should never have called him Uh, but it's it's just you know, and they don't make decisions for you, but they help you think through maybe different angles that you hadn't thought of. And one thing he brought up, and again, this is just something I've went through here recently, was the decision you're about to make, is it going to draw you closer to God or is it going to take time away from God? And uh, that was a hard, that was just um, kind of hit me right in the face. I mean, I really had to analyze that. Like I said, I analyze a lot. So, um just, again, I think it's, for me, I try to be slow to make certain decisions, and I try to have that close inner circle that I can bounce ideas off of when I have time and when I can do things like that. Peel back for me. That That's a very interesting thought process because I don't think we think enough about that, as we should. I mean, you, even as a pastor, it's amazing how many decisions I can make without praying about it, you know, mm-hmm. without, you know, just, just because it's, I've got the decision's got to be made. Don't know how it's going to go, but it's got to go. That's right. You know, and and we can get in that mindset. Peel back some of that. So so I love that advice. Is it going to pull me further away from the Lord? Is it going to take me from the Lord? Is it? What what are factors? What were factors in that? Like in what ways does this position, this new position, bring you closer to the Lord? And and in which ways is, is it dangerous that it could detract? So we'll start with the negative. Get it out of the way. Um, I think. What I have to be careful about with this new position is high school, there's more activities. There's more time after school. Uh, and I know that's part of it, and I'm going to be at every game that I possibly can, but I'm not going to miss Caroline's little yeah. games. Um, but so that's that was one thing I really thought through. You know, is it going to take a lot more time away from what's really important? Um, but then when I had a parent come up to me one after this got a – got out that I was going to Elkmont was he said, and I really felt like this, this really hit home with me. He said, you, you were here. And this, first of all, I'm very humble. So for me to talk about myself a little bit, (laughs) a little uncomfortable, but so this is not bragging by no means. Um, He said, you were in Athens for seven years. And as parents, we were, we, we saw you make an impact on a lot of different people. He said, now you're going to Elkmont and you're going to start over and you're going to make more of an impact on a new group of people. So uh, when he said that, I was like, yes, that, that, that's right. That's exactly kind of the, some of the thought process I had throughout all that. Awesome. Yeah. There, there are still, man, I, um, and I, our family's been around education, but like I've heard people all my life when they talk about influential people in, in their entire lifetime. And a lot of them are, are either teachers or coaches, but principals, mm-hmm. they will, they will remember how they have felt treated by a principal or how that principal has said something to them, you know, to make a difference. And so when you're around that, those folks, I mean, for a greater part of your adolescent life, you have a great opportunity to make a huge impact. Yeah. I I went to that point. I I went to on on a youth retreat one year. Uh, It was, it was uh, Emmaus and went out for a weekend. And um, I remember receiving a letter 
from who was then the acting superintendent for Madison County Schools, Terry Davis was his name. He was my principal when I was in um, Hazel Green Elementary. You know, he was my he was my principal, and he had taken time to not to write a page and a half of a letter to me. Yeah. Um, just it, it 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 floored me, but that kind of stuff. I mean, with that leadership, we do have the opportunity to make that level of impact. And that is huge. Like, yeah, we, we talk about the responsibility and how to balance all that and how to carry that weight well. But, and just thinking of that impact, it made me think of that because a superintendent of a school system, how many kids is he's got, he has under, underneath his uh, leadership, and, and yet he would take time to write a letter. Uh, it's just, you're exactly right. Yeah. And, man, so you said you're an analyzer. Yeah. And so when you're faced with decisions, I know. I can I can try to I'm like you sometimes I can try to think about every single circumstance and try to I, I track every single decision where if I make this decision here's what may happen and here's what may happen and think about every single scenario that might go into it and for me sometimes I find myself putting off making the decision yeah <laughs> um, so I know if you're an over if you're an over analyzer I know you've dealt with that so how do how do you how do you fight back against how do you balance the this is good that I'm an analyzer, but at the same time, I know it can handicap me as a leader. I know we've got overanalyzers uh, listening, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know the right answer on that. Um, I just know, you know, a decision has to be made, and at the end of the day, you got to make whatever decision you think's best. I'm gonna make the best decision I can. I'm gonna lay my head down at night and sleep good. And that's all I know to do. And, you know, and I will be the first one. And I think one thing that will help personally for me is I'm okay admitting when I'm wrong. Like, if I make a decision and it it, it goes south, I'll be the first one to take credit for it. And I'm okay with that. Um, as long as they know and I know, more importantly, that I did what I thought was best at the time. If it backfires, it backfires. But And I'll take I'll own it. Uh, that's just part of it. That's just part of being a leader. You have to own when you make mistakes. I know that not making a decision is a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you just let it let it go, and yeah. that people also um, they reflect upon that, they evaluate you by that as well. They, you said something earlier about I, I try to uh, back up what I say, and and following up is something that I'm learning a lot about. That um, you may respond by giving somebody a no or telling them yes, or this is what we've decided. But just to be followed up with is a big deal. You know, just that you've cared enough to go the extra step and call it or give a response. Um, but but to let it to let it keep going is to say it's not an important enough to make a decision on yeah. or, you know, it almost reflects upon. Uh, and and that, that's difficult, though. I will say that. that. That's something I'm having to learn, too, because um, if you don't have enough information or enough conviction, you know, to, to make a decision but you feel like one needs to be made – um, that's a that's a tough spot, but like you said, leaders have to make those uh, calls and uh, to do it the best we can. So you've got Heath's side, and and, and I feel like I am. See, I'm the opposite. They're, You're they're, not an analyzer. No, and there are an under analyzer. <laughs> hey, again, I yes, that's exactly what I am. I can be shoot ready aim at times, and you know my my thing is is what you mentioned is there aren't a ton of things that in my head that are non-negotiable. Like when I'm, when I'm up against a decision, I have literally had someone say, I thought you were going this direction. And my response to them is yes. Until I talk to someone who feels very, very strongly about this and they won me over to that position. And, and you obviously have to be careful with that, but because you don't want you want to be able to stick to your guns and you want to have conviction and stuff like that. But, but there are very few hills that I am willing to die on. They, they exist. Yeah. But but I don't know. How do you how do you balance that? Like, how do you balance like I, I honestly, the reason I felt like this might be the direction I was leading, but I just didn't feel strongly enough about it to plant my flag and, and, and run over somebody to do it. Yeah, one of my challenges is just not saying anything. Like when somebody comes to me and wants something or they got an idea or maybe asking about a decision, 
I really need to do a better job just going, yeah, thank you for that. And just letting it be. Like, I, I always feel like I have to give something that satisfies in that moment rather yeah. than just being, you know, slow to decide or slow to speak and just going, all right, I'll take that into account. Yeah. You know, I, I want to make sure you felt good about talking to me. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't feel good when I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know, not giving you Thanks any more Thanks for than stopping that. by. Yeah. Yeah. People understand that, though. So, yeah. what we talked about, is it going to... Yeah. So, what are we doing? Hey, yeah. thanks for... Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for making Thank you your, for your voice time. heard. Thank you for your time. Yeah. So who do you listen to? Who do you who do you listen to? Who do you not listen to? You know, which is maybe who you don't listen to is probably even a more important question. But but that's what I was going to ask Graham because a hundred percent the the circle that he missed uh, that he mentioned was small, right? And especially a lifetime decision right. like that. You're you're talking to parents and pastors love that. When it comes to the inside the school from from your experience, maybe at Athens Middle mm-hmm. or otherwise. Who have those people generally been that if you talk to a small circle of people that you're making a decision, is that people inside the organization, outside the organization, or otherwise? It's usually – it's been for me inside the organization, our administration team. Like, I think the leadership team has to work well. It can't be a dysfunctional leadership team. Everybody else will see that. They'll pick up on that, and it will just – it kind of just contagious throughout the rest of the building. That's the way I feel about it. So uh, I often, I mean, I was very honest and transparent with our other administrators and counselors. That was kind of our team, our administration and counselors team. Um, we, we shared and talked through every situation that we could, and uh, that's who I went to. And if I didn't have them to go to, um, it would have been a struggle. It would have been a struggle. And I, I think you've got to have people – within the organization to go to because they know also kind of what's going on, the situations you're dealing yeah. with. It's nothing that if I went to someone outside, they're not going to have a clue what I'm talking about. They're just going to give me the best advice that they know, what, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of who we went, to, who I went to. Yeah. You can get objectivity maybe. Right. But not yeah. context. Yeah. And that context is, is, is huge. Yeah. Because we, we've, all, we've all done that as pastors. Like look at a decision that another church makes. and like, yeah. hey, why in the world did they do that? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I would have never done that. But, of course, it's different context. It's different everything. Because from the outside, it looked like maybe a decision we would never make, but we're not in the organization. And so, yeah, you get that outside opinion. But when and it comes to the culture of your of your organization, it's got to come from the inside. And then you have the support of those few. That's that, it. That when the you buy-in. do make a decision, you know, right? they know the reason. They know what you talk through and what you're dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to have those people – I think a prerequisite, and I don't even know how you, you know, how you state this, right? I don't know, know it makes it on a resume, but when there is disagreement, I'm the leader. Can I leave this room and we all be on that same page? Like, yeah. you know, that, that is, I mean, that's, that's inner circle people. Um, you know, I, 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 every decision that is made by every leader that I've ever been under, I have not agreed with. That's right. But publicly, I have. And and when there were significant enough grievances, I we would address them, uh, and 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 I would come to that person and and talk with them. But um, that's a that's I'm I'm finding that is becoming a more and more difficult person to find. Well, I think those inner circle people, you can either win them over before the decision, or you got to win them over after. But you can't just let it ride. You know right. what I mean? Like they've, right. you've got to win them over before or after, and uh, otherwise it'll be a cancer uh, for your organization. Yep. You know, when your if your leaders are not bought in, that'll be tough. So when I first got this job, the first thing I did was contact the assistant principal that was there, and we met for breakfast one morning just to start developing that relationship. Yeah. And uh, me and him already just working extremely well together. He's a top notch guy, and yeah. uh, so that's just a yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You got a good staff. You buying into there. That's right. good. Well, that's what I was going to ask too. And, and um, did did you hire any of those people at the middle school when you were there? Yes. And and if so, when you did, like, what are some of those things that you're looking for from that executive team uh, that's inside the organization when you're hiring to that? I just honesty here. I, I think it's if if you know a person already, if you've oh, already yeah. built that relationship with them in the past, and you're close with them, and uh, it's an opportunity for them to come work with you. Uh, I think that's important, too, how you work with you, not 
for you. I think right. sometimes people can take that the wrong way. Yes, you make you're the lead, you make the final decision, but you're working together. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's important to hire people you know and you already have a relationship with. I think it's hard to um, hire some random person and and hope you've got good references that can give you good advice. Which sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. but more times than not, if you can hire your guy. Your lady, your person—that's that's huge. Yeah, we talk about that a ton here. Because yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you have to you have to rely on your position yeah. to dictate the merits of your leadership. Yeah, yeah. and that's I mean that's that's almost impossible. Going back, you know, yeah. your your point of Heath about you know taking over for someone else, like yeah. you don't have that built up. And so my position is only going to do so much. It, it, it might it might bring people on the team, but it's not going to make people a part of the team yet. Well, I always talk about, you know, character, competency, and chemistry. You know, and it sounds like you lean very heavily on that chemistry first. Because yeah. yep. uh, you can have the most competent guy or girl. You can have – they can have great character. But if you don't get along with them, it's going to be a tough ride. That's right. And all three of those – when you have known someone before, you kind of already know those yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say if you it, – it seems to hire that way would seem exclusive, but you're dealing with matters that involve a great trust. Yeah. So I know for us right now we have a pastoral vacancy, and so seeking um, who to fill in that position is a – it's a matter of great prayer because you understand the weight of that position – and one of the greatest things I think we review is if if we are uh, if we hire this person, will not just this church at large, but will the staff, our executive team, our personnel finance committee, which that's who it is for us, how long will it take to trust them? Yeah, you know, because if if trust is not there, it delays uh, decisions, or at least uh, the the questions of credibility come up uh, for a while until you've been able to establish that trust but if, if you if you have it already you can do it a lot but it's not that way in every situation as we're finding out yeah yeah in light of that uh, how are you on accounting stuff <laughs> i'm just kidding sorry we uh, have a great for us. <laughs> uh just kidding not, not that <laughs> just kidding yes um, speaking to the the recent turnover let's keep let's keep him there for a while man <laughs> i will say this and and this is you know, obviously, I, I I know you, and, and we've got a lot of friends of friends and and, and things like that. But um, I will say, there's as much excitement in our community about this hire as there have there has been in in Elmont since I've I've been there in the years that I've been there. Like it is that we are excited about the prospects of 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 having you on board with us. And so, um, you know, I'm glad that you didn't say that the. Uh, what you were really struggling with spiritually was that the fact that you were you were going to be the principal of the school, this mascot is the Red Devils. I know, speaking of my shirt, I'm wearing yeah. Red Devils. <laughs> my, my son, when we when we launched our campus and we were meeting in the gym and there were Red Devils everywhere, I didn't think about the theological ramifications for my eight-year-old trying to figure out why well, now we were going for the devil. Yeah, so. Well, my five-year-old daughter calls me the devil now sometimes. Like, hold on now, let's not say that in public. <laughs> no, you're just the head devil. You're yeah. just the lead devil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. That's really good. Graham, whenever you stepped into this role, and I know you've been other places, um, so you can speak to that as well, but uh, you're in how – lo- how large is the staff and faculty that you're in, you've inherited here? Oh, 6th through 12th grade, we've got roughly uh, total staff around 70. 70, wow. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's – everybody in the building. Yeah, that's everybody yeah. in the building. So that's a lot of different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I know different levels of – levels of authority, different levels in the organization. Um, but as far as the people that you're going to be directly overseeing on a regular basis, how do you – one of the questions we talk about a lot is how do you measure success? Like how do you – and I know it will probably depend on the job particularly, mm-hmm. but um, we think uh, it's hard. It, it's it's easy to drop a job description and hand it to somebody and say, go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how is it that, that you as uh, we as leaders can measure the success of those that we're, we're called to oversee and manage? That's a good question. Um, I guess there's a lot of different ways you could look at this. Uh, for me, we're always talking about data in the school system, and uh, which you have to, and that is important. 
I think data is important, and it doesn't lie. It's like when I played basketball, stats don't lie. Uh, <laughs> data doesn't lie. But I think there's more to it than just numbers. Uh, I think it's more about like, kind of going back to relationship part of things. It's just, um, you know, people name drop culture a lot just because it sounds like the right thing to say. But it takes a long time to build a positive culture in a school or any organization. So I, I think at the end of the year, you, you evaluate your school, you evaluate yourself, each individual, you evaluate yourself to see what steps of progress you've made through the year. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways you could look at that. Um, I'm trying not to ramble, but one, one thing that we do at the end of every year that I've always done as a principal is I call every individual in in the building, and we do a 3-2-1 breakdown, just a com- conversation. So what are – Three positive takeaways from the year. You writing this down, Andy John? Yep. This sounds good. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's all right. What are two areas that you want to work on? And then what is one goal you want to set for yourself for next That's year? Good. So just having those conversations. And I guess for me, when you talk through that, you see the positives and you see the consistency in some of those positives. It helps you measure kind of how the school year went. Yeah. Um, and again, it all starts with the relationship part of it, in, in, in my my opinion, um, and that just feeds into everything else. If if you don't treat people right, if you don't do things the right way every single day, um, it's just going to be an up and down year, and there's no, no no consistency. But again, going back to three two one breakdown, that helps me kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. get a good feel for the building and how the school year went. Well, I think that last question will tell you more about. Uh, whether they're buying into the culture you're trying to set, right? Mm -hmm. Because if that goal is, you know, for us as pastors, if the goal is just numbers or if it's just – if it's off from where we're trying to lead and in any organization, Mm -hmm. that'll tell you a lot. Like, that goal's way too low. (laughs) Or, wow, they're really – they're shooting at the right things we're trying to measure here. Yeah, and we we look at data too, just like you said. Yeah, yeah. We've always said this and and been taught this, but numbers represent people. But I – I even think like if we're looking at our baptisms for the last year, of uh, if I see it's a low number or whatever, I, I don't think to myself we got to get more baptisms. It does though sort of remind me uh, to ask the question of our church: Are we being evangelistic? You know, yeah. are are we sharing our faith? Is this do we need to get back to that? Or you know, the the things that that really matter. Uh, and again, like if there's um, the the numbers really don't lie. If you got something that you try and and it wasn't a great turnout, what are the reasons that it wasn't a great turnout? Did we make it purposeful? Is it you know is there purpose in it? Why are people there? Uh, all those things matter, and I, I do think good leaders will want to look at those things, mm-hmm. not be afraid of them, be honest when you get beat, you know, yeah. celebrate a win and. So give us an idea then. I've got a vested interest in your leadership because I've got a seventh grader who is uh, who is a, a student at Elkmont. Uh, May thirty first, two thousand twenty four. What is tangible success? Not not doesn't have to be the holistic view, but what is t- what is tangible success look like at that date? Keeping an Ostrowski out of ISS. That's right. I mean, that's right. Not, first one's not the problem. The second one, that would, that's got, a very a good goal. So I, I'll say this. Um, Norman Lear is the assistant principal at Elkmont. And in almost every conversation I had with the staff member before um, the summer took place, everybody was, was praising him because of how he stepped up in a tough time and led the school during that time. So I think just having feedback where there's a family feel in the atmosphere. And, and when you walk in the school, there's just a family buy-in. Um, everybody's buy-in to what we're trying to get accomplished. Um, I, I hope that answers the question a little bit. But just uh, not a lot of – you want pushback. Pushback's welcome. We want that at times, but we don't want – the word I'm looking for. Um, we just don't want the negative vibe, negative culture all the time. Just a family feel atmosphere within the 
staff. I hope that you can disagree but not be disunified. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And that's man, that's tough. In a school mm-hmm. setting, I, I I know it's it's tough in a church setting. A school setting when you got um I always say teachers have a difficult job because they have to manage it's not just teaching. Mm-hmm. They have to manage a classroom all day long for the better part of their job. If they could just get in there and teach and not manage, then you got something else to do. But I mean, it, it'd yeah. be a different result. But the classroom management part of it, the yeah. curriculum, the planning, all those things, um, it's tough to correction. keep the attitude, yeah. you know, positive and we can do it when it's it's a tough gig. Yeah, yeah. Really I think. But but I would just say, Elkmont is in my experience, man is. You you come in with that type of mentality. You come in. I'm I'm here to make a difference. I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm right. here to make a difference. I'm here to make people better, make lives better. Mm-hmm. Um, Elkmont is a special place in that they it, it will receive you. Like I mean, it, it they have us. There's there's nobody that's bigger fans of Elkmont than my family, than my kids. You know, which is probably the acid test for a pastor in, in a mm-hmm. in a community that he's in, living in a community that he's in. But. Um, but that, I do think that's possible. I don't. I don't think you're. I don't think you're trying to sell a pipe dream there. Um, I, I do think it's possible, and I, I, I believe you, honestly. I, I believe. I believe that. You know what I think too. Just, I want to be a leader that they know loves them and cares for them, and is a servant leader. That that's kind of the who I want to be thought of. I, if there's a dirty spot in the hall. I'm gonna go get a mop and clean it. I'm not gonna go to the custodian and tell him to clean it if I can clean it just as well as he can in the time. So just for them to know they've got someone there that's gonna love them, care for them every single day, and to serve them, and uh, that you know the rest will take care of itself. I think. Have y'all thought about? I, I don't know that we've asked that question of ourselves as far as get to the end of a year, calendar year, what we would look at as being a successful year. And I wrote a few things down, but have y'all have y'all thought about? Yeah, that I was before? hoping Alan didn't ask us. Yeah, that's a tough just m- just more more people than East. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. I did I did really I wrote down a few things and, and it kind of plays off what Graham said. But to be able to look at back at the year before and and at least feel like you have built and kept good relationships throughout the year. Yeah. Um, for us, like if have we discipled or developed someone? You know, have we developed a leader or discipled a new believer? And then the same thing as he said to keep unity in the leadership, keep unity in our leaders and our staff. If you know, if it, those are just a few things off the, but that'd be a great question to ask our staff too. Yeah. What is what do you consider successful at the end of the year? When we get there, if you've done these things, what's that look like? For a small royalty fee, you can use anything that I provide. <laughs> <laughs> because those are, you know, like you even said the baptism one, you know, and. And those, but like those are like lag measures. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like those are, when you start talking about even development and like it all comes. There, there's there's things we've got to do on the front end. We can't just increase our baptisms. We can't just develop more leaders. We've got to do things on the front end that's set up well. So it all comes back, I think, to our goals that we set at the front of the year. Because um, what we want at the end of the year is going to have to be driven at the beginning of the year as goals, right? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's right. Start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. Sometimes the ends end justifies the means. means. That's great. That's that's a good one there. I did pick up on that office. It's getting it's getting a lot. Well, hey, well, uh, Graham, we get to our favorite part of the podcast, which is uh, Andy John's rapid fire questions, and uh, sometimes they are uh, really quick and easy, just easy answers, and sometimes it makes you think about it a little bit. And uh, yeah. it always leads to them arguing, us arguing with one another over movies or shows or food. Well, or something. yeah, I'll try to be quick. The 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 one we just knock out quickly because this is not these are all favorites. So just rapid fire. Fa- what is your favorite? And I'll fill in the blank. But we do need to get to the question we always debate, which is: Are you a fan of dubs or not? Yes, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. It is. How could you not be? Absolutely, yeah. Graham. Yeah. That makes seventy five percent of the room a fan of dubs. That's right. <clears throat> Alan is. I'm not, out. I'll just tell you. I'm out. Out. Why is that? I, I, I will. That. I will gladly go <laughs> to their that. sister establishment and eat a hot dog and uh, a vanilla malt. All right, here we go. Uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, we know that you played basketball at UH. Favorite sport other than basketball? Football. Awesome. Did you play football at Athens? 
You're an Auburn fan. Damn, well, that's that's yeah. 75% of the run. Oh, there we go. That's right. <laughs> Roll Tide. Alan is feeling more alienated. <laughs> yes. As go on. Starting did, to doubt. Did you play football then? I played no? up until like my freshman year. Then I just played basketball. Yeah. So, Starting to wane in my excitement. Now <laughs> so what year did you finish at UAH? 07. 07. Okay. Yeah. So we were, uh, so I was there at, I was there in fall of 05. Okay. And then through 2009. Yeah. Um, Heath was the guy in the student section with the shirt off but painted. Oh, that one? Uh, yeah. 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 It. <laughs> Restore the roar. <laughs> Restore the roar. Favorite local restaurant? Oh, besides Dubs. Besides Dubs. Um, hold on. Were you would would you have legitimately said Dubs there? I mean, no, I, would, I would say that. <laughs> no, yeah. I would not okay, have. Good. Good. Uh, three hundred six. Oh yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, Big good. fan of three hundred six. There. Um, I like the rib plate. Simple. Very good. Just simple. I do the rib sandwich. Yeah. Sometimes. All right. Favorite band oh. or book? And, and again, I, I, or band I'm giving or, it either or. We band, asked, book, um, or color, whichever <laughs> one you want. <laughs> we asked him. We asked the guy. I remember Dr. Betts. We asked him favorite band, and it took him a while to give the answer. So I thought, yeah. if you got one, that's I'm easy glad because I wouldn't have had but a band. But it was favorite yeah. book. It was money when he told us about the band. Though. Oh, why did that you go great. band like and book? Band. Like what? Or I said or not band, band. or movie one. like that yeah, entertainment know, thing like so right, let me mark that question so out. book 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 or poem. I'll go with book uh, the energy bus with John Gordon yep energy bus yep it's a good one all right uh, favorite holiday trying to say Christmas love it favorite school subject outside of history since you taught history section reviews uh, favorite subject I would have to say. Science, yeah. Science, yeah. Uh, favorite type of music? I go with country. Or do you when you work out? Do you listen to podcasts or, or music? I, just whatever <laughs> music they got playing in the gym. <laughs> really, you're yeah. not a headphone guy. Not a headphone guy. Interesting. Okay. Do you, I, I do you listen like to podcasts to when you work out? Uh, when I well, when I walk and stuff, yeah. Maybe if people like I disagree with to tick me off to make me work harder, maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I have to fight heresy in the <laughs> kind so, of the same group of people come at three fifteen in the morning, so you kind of talk to them a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you say you country, two other people, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, right. off work. You talk yeah. about country. Are you talking about like old country? No, not old country. Okay, so I I honestly listen to a lot of sports talk when I'm in the oh, car. Oh yeah, I don't listen oh, okay. to a whole lot of, lot of music. What's the average age to somebody that wakes up to go to the gym at three o'clock? It's a great question. I don't know. 40, 30, 35, 45? Nah, see, I felt like it would be skewed a lot higher. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking That's I was thinking people thing. who got off work at 2 at, that were there, not uh, got up yet. Yeah. Uh, last one, favorite emoji? Just, oh, I, be, <laughs> I don't think I've ever asked that. <laughs> Just the thumbs up, I guess. The thumbs up. Yeah. 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 I like the eye roll one. You know, oh, where he's yeah. looking at like that. I like yeah. that one. That's your go-to? I don't, I just like, it's probably my favorite. I don't think it's. I don't just send those out all the time. <laughs> so it's my favorite in the. It's just. It's the cutest one. Like, what do you mean? I, I wouldn't say cutest. That's weird. Uh, I don't know. It's just my. I, I like to click Most on. Used? I like to click on that one. Coming from the band and book guy. <laughs> favorite band book, book color season podcast right. season. There we go. I know his favorite podcast is the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast. Amen. Amen. Well, Grant, we appreciate you being on today. I Hope it hasn't been a total me. waste of your day. Um, <laughs> Not but at all. Uh, I know those listening uh, will be able to listen to Graham, listen back to it over and over again a couple of times, probably just to grasp some of the things he was saying. There's some really, really cool content uh, to look back on and, and to begin to implement in your own leadership. But any closing thoughts, guys? I just like the shameless plug to make them listen more than once. Yeah, that it helps awesome. the numbers a little bit. Too. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. <laughs> Give us a great rating review. We haven't thought about any of those things. <laughs> we don't. We just re- we, we have, have no idea who our own. Yeah. I have no idea how many people watch every week. Uh, we just do this because we enjoy it yeah. and we think it's beneficial. I was uh, about to say, hey, take zero takeaway, watch. The, the three know. the three two one evaluation conversation, great. Yeah, very simple, yeah, easy to remember. Yeah, um, I, I do have a question on that. Do you have your folks prepare that ahead of time? I or do. Is it, yeah, it's yeah, good. I give it to them in advance. It's good. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you guys for tuning in with us here in the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast again this week. And until next time, keep leading. Thanks for listening to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast, a ministry of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. For more information on our church and all three of our locations, you can check us out at lindsaylane.org.